Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way, whether you are over at pathtozion.com or here on our YouTube channel or one of the dozens of other um, audio and podcast platforms that exist. Thank you for joining us today, however you landed here. We are in part two, which will also be the conclusion of our Before Mount Sinai series. Um, in part one, we talked about sacrifices and offerings. We went all the way back to the very beginning of time. And the whole point of what we're talking about here um, and why is to get us to ask some questions, to be asking some questions about how did these men long before the giving of the Ten Commandments, long before there were Jews, they were doing these these practices, um, these charges, to use a biblical word, to present things to Yahweh. How did they know is the question. How did these men know, as we're going to get to here in this part specifically, because again, we already co- uh, covered sacrifices and offerings, but here in part two, altars and clean animals, we have talked about that before here. Clean animals did not show up at Mount Sinai for a Jewish people that was eradicated in Yeshua. How do we know that? Because this long preceded the Jewish people. This had nothing to do with a mere Levitical order um, as we know it in a sacrificial system um, somehow found in Leviticus or something like that. This was something that was from the very beginning of time. We talk about that, of course, over the years here on the program about Noah and his choosing of the animals. Now, how did he know what a clean animal was? How did Abraham and Isaac know what a burnt offering was. And that's what we've been talking about that we already talked um, in great measure about in part one, specifically the sacrifices and the offerings. Now, moving into this part of altars and clean animals, we're going to continue with this theme because, as I said in part one, these four um, things are entirely inseparable. You cannot have the, the system that was in place long before Mount Sinai without this unified understanding of sacrifices and altars and um, offerings and clean animals. They were all integrately, intricately connected and inseparable entirely, I would say. And so for this second consideration, altars and clean animals. How did these men know about these things? Um, because again, as we said, they weren't spelled out like we see later with the giving of the specifics of Torah. So how did these men know these things? What were they passing on generation after generation after generation that was not recorded in the same manner that we have it in the, in the law and the prophets? What were they living according to? And these are questions, some of these are open-ended questions, of course, but good ones nonetheless. Now, as we move into the second part, I want to be clear that we see an ancient pattern of burn offerings and sacrifices, okay? We see them involve, and this is where we'll get to our, our main two points today, always involving clean animals, always in the sense of when there's animals involved in the sacrifice and offering. And of course, these activities unfold at a certain designated place, an altar, okay? I want to continue to highlight that men knew of sacrifices and offerings long before Mount Sinai. They erected holy, set-apart spaces to perform what would be rightly defined as priestly 
duties. We see priestly duties long before we see the Levitical priesthood. Now, there's a million and one questions when we know in it anything at all about the Melchizedek priesthood order and the heavenly on the earth becoming the earthly. Um, and there's a, that's a whole sidebar over here that we're not even going to tackle. But that has to be inserted into our train of thought for consideration about how these men knew of these things. How, how did they know before the specifics of the tabernacle and temple were given? How did they know before things were spelled out line by line for the Levitical priesthood? What did these men know before? How are they doing it? I think a, a very broad blanket answer is the heavenly priesthood, the heavenly order, because we know that everything that came to pass on the earth according to the sacrificial system, I would say even all the way back here to the beginning, was a mirroring of what was in the heavens and is in the heavenlies now. It's a very sobering thing to consider. Genesis chapter 7, verse 2 says this, Then Yahweh said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household. For I have, set, I have seen that you are a righteous man before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and his mate and a pair of the animals that are not clean, the male and his mate. And so we, of course, have talked about this in, in different um, videos here, addressing clean and unclean, and, and the, the mysterious sheet descending for Peter and his vision that was spelled out very clearly was not about animals whatsoever. Clean animals have nothing to do with a Mount Sinai event in the sense of that was not in any way their appearance. They, at creation, were created clean and unclean. And I have always said, and I will continue to repeat every time we're on this topic, Yahweh created animals that are clean for food, and he created unclean animals that are not food. You do not have unclean food, okay? You do not have unclean food animals. You have clean animals that are for food, and you have animals that are unclean that were never intended to be food. And once you get that into your heart and mind, you will even read and perceive the scriptures different, even into the New Testament text, because when, real quickly, like when Yeshua is talking about no food goes into a man to make him unclean, defiled, whatever, the verbiage you want to use, and we see that several times, we have to know what in the world food even is. Okay, we have to know these are these those instances with in the Gospels are Yeshua talking about food and eating things you ingest. Okay, and so we have to understand biblically what food even is. There aren't unclean foods. Just to be clear, a light needs to come on for for all of us to have that revelation of understanding that the word speaks of that in such a manner that clean animals are food and unclean animals are not. And so we can follow this all the way back um, to creation, and fast-forwarding a few verses, we get in the Genesis account where we know that Yahweh instructed Noah specifically to take seven pairs of all clean animals and only one pair of unclean. Verses 6 and 8 of chapter 7 in Genesis continues that Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters came upon the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him went into the ark to escape the waters. Of clean animals and of animals that are not clean, and of birds and of everything that creeps on the ground. Okay, so again, this is a, a repeated 
cycle of pattern of, of getting it into our minds before Mount Sinai, clean, unclean animals. Genesis chapter 8, verses 20 and 21, we'll find this continuation of distinguishing clean animals from unclean animals. And this time it's a long, where our next word comes in, which is an altar. In Hebrew, it's a mizbeach. It is an altar, inseparable from sacrifices and offerings, and of course, clean animals. In fact, here we find, I love this text, uh, according to this series specifically, because in the what I'm about to read, we find all four of our main topics all in one verse. So this is a home run, blasted out of the park, example in the, in the wonderful word of Elohim, because we see this, Then Noah built an altar to Yahweh, and he took some of every clean animal. So we have altar, clean animal, and some of every clean bird, and he offered burnt offerings on the altar. Well, the altar's four. We, we don't have the... the um, Offerings and the sacrifices are different in there. It is a sacrificial offering. Let's just sum it up that way. And when Yahweh smelled the pleasing aroma, he said in his heart, I'll never again curse the ground because of man, for the attention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living, living creature as I've already done. And so we have these appearances of all these components in one text here in Genesis chapter 8 where we see a sacrificial offering of a clean animal upon an altar. And when Yahweh, and his, this is just strange verbiage for us, and that's okay, Yahweh smelled the aroma. He, he recognized and was pleased by Noah's actions on the other side of the ark event, of his deliverance, of his Yeshua, his salvation, okay? Um, in the, amongst and within the cleansing of the land. A judgment, of course. Um, I find it quite notable here that in Genesis chapter 8, verse 20, that we just read, the, which, this is the very first biblical mention of Mizbeach, of altar, by the way. And we find these key words. I think it's very interesting. Right on the other side of a reset, if you will, of sorts, of the earth after the cleansing of the mixing, um, with the Nephilim and all the events of men's hearts were evil continually. Noah, the righteous man, he emerges, and what's he do? He acts upon these main components that we're talking about here. Sacrifices and offerings upon an altar of clean animals, of which he was instructed to take seven pairs of, in light of this reality. And again, if we scrutinize this text, okay, Genesis chapter 8, we will find that this took place at least, at the very least, 900 years before the events of Mount Sinai. Okay, friend? 900 years. Put that into our modern understanding and thinking of like how old this nation is or how many generations that that is. Where are the Jews? Okay, again, because I've said in part one, we're asking the wrong questions. If we're saying, if we, if we scour the Bible to find out what was for the Jews and what are for the Christians, pre, pre-Messiah, post-Messiah, we're asking the wrong questions, okay? Because we have to understand, this 900 years preceded, at the very least, the giving of the law, Okay, we have to understand that to get our mindset into what? Into what we talk about, especially last um, year and a half here on the program with great regularity, unintentionally. We talk about this perpetuity, 
of Father's ways, His Olam covenantal ways that I have said overreach and spread over every single thing that takes place here on the earth. He is a covenantal king, was covenantal father, all these things. <laughs> and they go from the beginning to the end. Okay? He is covenantal. And he is extending a way to live to humanity that require. And this is going to take some unpacking. We'll get to there some, but most of this you're going to these are planting seeds of thought. They require actions. They require events to take place. Why? Priestly duties for priestly people. Okay? Whether we're talking literal or metaphorical, we have to get this through our understanding. This is not a Jew or Christian question. Okay? This is, who in the world are Yahweh's people? Because as I've always been saying for years, you have two people in the entire earth. You have a people in covenant with Yahweh, and you have people who are not in covenant with Yahweh. Period. This isn't about, are you saved? Are you saved? No, this isn't about that. Because, well, what's that mean to you and to you and to you and to you and to you? Are you in covenant with Yahweh Elohim or are you out of covenant with Yahweh Elohim? Two options, simplified. So interestingly, altars continue to greatly increase as time advances into the life of Abraham. I've I really noted this um, through my studies of, of, of Genesis primarily towards these points especially uh, parking the car on altars for a few days, was that there? if you could draw a graph, I wish I was, uh, I could take the time to do it. I have not. Someone probably has. Like As we already mentioned, the, the, the first mention of Mizbeach, altar, is on the other side of the flood event from Noah. But So you have like a little teeny spike, but then all of a sudden you have Abraham come on the scene and boom, altars, 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 okay? A great increase. Now, I would suggest that this is no coincidence whatsoever. Why? Because he is the father of faith-filled men in action who erect memorials unto Yahweh Elohim. A memorial man. A man who puts markers on the earth to signify, like we know we can go through the names of some of these altars that were named, about the Lord is here, or Peniel, which is the face of Elohim. You know, all these different events that took place through um, the historical timeline of Yahweh's righteous set-apart men in the Older Testament, they would set up markers and, rem- and memorials. Okay, we're going to get to that more here in a minute. And so, it was no coincidence, I would say, of this great spike in altars appearing um, in the day of Abraham. Um, the sojourner would travel and build an altar, Abraham. He would move. He would erect an altar. He would move. He would erect an altar. Example, Genesis chapter 12, Abram arrives at Shechem, and to be specific, we've talked about this here before as well, he is ironically at the Oaks of Moray, or Mamre, however your um, translation says, to be specific. Verses 7 and 8 tell us this, There Yahweh appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So what did Abram do? So he built there an altar unto Yahweh, who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent. So here he goes. He's moving with Bethel on the west, Ai on the east, and there he did what? He built an altar to Yahweh, and he called upon the name of Yahweh. He didn't call upon God. Who are you talking about? God. We got 400 to choose from. Which God are you talking about? I'm talking about Yahweh Elohim. The king of all kings, the the Elohim of every other Elohim, seated and throned upon the highest heaven, the most high mighty one. That that one, Yahweh. (laughs) Now, altar is used twice 
Mizbeach in Genesis chapter 13. Um, because we're, we're just moving along the timeline. We just read some in Genesis 12. It appears twice in chapter 13. In chapter 22, we of course know of Abraham, as we touched on in part 1, being asked to go up the mountain and do what? Place his son upon an altar, okay, as a burnt offering. As we discussed in measure in part one, and we'll read it again in case it's been some time since you saw that episode, they came to the place of which Elohim had told him, and Abraham built the altar, and there he laid the wood in order, and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. All parties involved seem to fully understand what an altar is. As I already touched on a little bit, um, Isaac was not like, what are we doing? What, what, what's the wood for? Why did you build this altar? Or they saw it when they got there, whichever side you fall on. Because Abraham, Abraham saw from afar, I think he saw a, probably an oak mamre tree, whatever the case. Isaac was fully informed of what an altar was, of what a burnt offering was. That, that, and we'll get to this, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Even Isaac was not confused, that's my whole point, as to what was about to take place. He clearly knew that an altar would be erected, and a clean animal needed to be placed upon it. We see that from the text, and just let the text teach us what it says. As we discussed in part one, these things clearly were already set in place for Yahweh's people, from creation to Abraham and beyond, before before Mount Sinai. Okay? In Genesis chapter 26, 25, Isaac, he's grown up now. He's walking in his own ways. He builds an altar like he would have learned from his father. Genesis chapter 33, verse 20, Jacob builds an altar like he would have learned from his father. Genesis 35, 1, 3, and 7 speaks of Jacob building altars. It's not until Exodus chapter 17, okay? So we're jumping from Genesis 35. It's not until Exodus chapter 17 that we see an altar, Mizbeach, show up with the man Moses. Okay? And please note, this, even this, is two chapters before Mount Sinai. Okay? (laughs) Are we getting this pattern? Before Mount Sinai, there was a wonderful expression of how Yahweh's people worshipped him and and allowed a sweet-smelling savor to go up to his nostrils that reminded him, even as we saw on the other side of the flood, you know what, This this became part of a memorial to himself, just like he hung that bow, that oath that we talked about in uh, the Olam series, a sign, a marker, a reminder, I'm not going to flood the earth again. It's beautiful. Yahweh loves memorials. I don't know how many times I say that. Um, Quite a bit. (laughs) So we have to ask, how did these men know these things? How did they know it? I'm captivated by understanding that the best I can. I, I can read a little bit in Jubilees for the expansion of the book of Genesis, But most of us have been told that altars, offerings, the entire sacrificial system somehow was for the Jews, right? That's what we've been told. (laughs) Well, we're not Jews. Jesus did away with all that. We're not Jews. So since that's the case, well, we just say we're not Jews and we move on. It's not for us, right? That's what we've been told. That was a system that Jesus did away with. Now, here's a question. I'm not going to go there, but I have a million and one questions about the what now and about the what will be. Because 
I'm not going to crack the door open on what's going to be taking place in New Jerusalem and what is taking place right now in the heavenlies, because that's, that's 15 more parts. But we have to ask some questions. We have to say, first and foremost, have we asked the wrong questions when we've said, what's for the Jews and what's for the Christians? Because friends, things long preceded the appearance of a set-apart Jewish people, the nation of Israel, where men were, what? Being established to walk out sacrifices and offerings upon altars using clean animals, okay? Exodus chapter 20, verses 24 through 26, Yahweh begins spelling out more detailed instructions for an entire nation of set-apart people. Perfect segue. Because we are given very, very many specifics, yes. But that comes so much later than many, many generations that preceded. A thousand years, okay? An altar of earth you shall make for me and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen, okay? Clean animals. In every place where I cause my name to be remembered, again, here we are again, memorials, I will come to you and I will bless you. If you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it out of hewn stones, for if you wield your tool on it, you're going to profane it. And you shall not go up by the steps to my altar, that your nakedness be not exposed on it. So here we see what was, okay, the altar, the erecting of the altar, and Yahweh coming and blessing and um, coming to us, coming to the people here specifically in Exodus chapter 20. And this, this will become some criteria for the more formal sacrificial system that we're more familiar with um, that was to come in the temple period. About, you know, don't, I'm referencing the go up the steps so your nakedness um, is not exposed on it, you know. So we have to decide to, to stop somewhere with this discussion. So we're going to start pulling off to the side here and bring it to a conclusion. As I said when we started, this is merely in order to plant a seed of thought for many people like myself that until four or five years ago, I never wondered about these things at all. I never even noticed. I myself, I compartmentalized between the Jews and the Christians. Well, I'm not a Jew, so I'm a Christian, and therefore I'm in this replacement theology dispensational doctrine where what was is in no way what is. And there's this great chasm in between that was the cross, and there's just nothing really left of what preceded Messiah. We've all been there. So this is really a seed for you to dive into this um, topic more on your own, if you have not before. And as we venture to study and rightly and understand the Bible from cover to cover, I would suggest that these matters are not in any way to be answered by asking this question, to be clear and redundant for the purposes that I have within this series. What was for the Jews and what is for the Christians? We're asking the wrong questions, friend. These events that we've mentioned over the last two parts of this series easily preceded the establishment of Israel and the Jews. Perhaps this is why Yahweh spoke through the prophet Jeremiah thousands of years ago, <laughs> instructing men even all the way back then to what? Find the old path, the old way, and walk in it. And if it was old in Jeremiah's day, how much older is it now, friend? <laughs> we 
We did a series just a few months ago. Um, of course, you've heard me mention it all the time, relentlessly here, about the Olam ways of Yahweh. Perpetual, continuance in existence, forever. Father's forever Olam ways are wonderful memorials, okay, of how he's always dealt with men. And we know that, as we just said, Jeremiah, so many years ago, was talking about, through the prophet Jeremiah, to be clear, it's Yahweh speaking, to seek out the old ways. All right, so that's a little spin on what we've inherited. In the prophet Jeremiah's day, Yahweh is saying, seek out the old ways and walk in them, okay? So again, what, okay, here's the question then, as we we put that right beside what we've been discussing before Mount Sinai, sacrifices, offerings, altars, and clean animals. We've gone to Adam. We've gone to Cain and Abel. We've gone to Noah. We've gone to Abraham. We've gone to Isaac. We've gone to Jacob. We've gone to Moses all before Mount Sinai. Perhaps there are ways that preceded Israel and the giving of the law that we need to really give some attention to. And, and to our point at the very beginning, why was Abraham chosen? Because he obeyed Yahweh's voice, because he kept Yahweh's charge, because he kept Yahweh's commandments, and because he kept Yahweh's statutes and his laws. That's why Abraham was chosen. He set a precedence for all who would be his seed and his offspring. And again, these old ways even preceded him, friend. <laughs> they even preceded Noah and the flood. So would you consider doing this? And we'll bring this to an absolute conclusion. Ask the question, what does it mean to go back and follow the ancient good way? Will you consider asking that question? Maybe there's some things we've left way back in the past that we need to go back and retrieve. And again, there are markers back there. There's memorials. There's altars erected to the mighty name of Yahweh Elohim. So there has been a way for men who are upright in Yahweh's sight, righteous men, to walk. There are things for them to do, friend, even before Mount Sinai. This is the Path to Zion podcast. We are rediscovering this ancient way around here. Thank you so much for watching. Tune in for more content. We've already got a couple more ready to go. Uh, Thank you so much for watching. Amen.